Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, I'm Grant Wall. Welcome to the Planet Football Podcast. This week's interview guest is radio host Jason Davis. While we've got you, make sure to check out Planet Football TV, SI's weekly soccer video series that I co-host with Luis Miguel Echegaray. We've got interviews, debate, and thoughtful opinions on the game we all love. That's Planet Football TV. Onward! Our guest today is Jason Davis. He's the host of the daily radio show, The United States of Soccer on Sirius XMFC. And he's relaunching his old podcast with Jared Dubois, the best soccer show under a new name, JD and the Rod, America's best soccer show. Jason, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Grant. It's good to be here. Yeah, great to have you on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've certainly done a lot of these interviews in the past uh, on, on your shows. Um, and I, I guess I would just start by asking, you know, most of our listeners have probably heard of you, but for those who haven't, mm-hmm. uh, where can they hear you and, and what are you doing in the soccer media world these days? Everything, well, I mean, obviously the radio show, which you mentioned, is is my day-to-day. It is uh, bread and butter, you know, everything that, that happens in American soccer, I'm talking about it on, on that program. Uh, three hours now, we expanded uh, just this year to a three-hour program, so it gives us plenty of, of space to kind of stretch out, and, and, and you know, it's it's talk radio, it's sports talk radio, so it's got a, a bit of that, uh, you know, let's push the envelope a little bit, let's have some... Mm-hmm. Some strong opinions, some hot takes, but I try to make it as uh, I, I try to make it as cerebral as possible, but also as as inclusive as possible. And and by that I mean I recognize that um, I, there aren't any there, there aren't any there, there aren't any other places like my show for American soccer to be covered uh, in, in a in a sort of extensive way. I mean, there are great podcasts. You're doing one. Lots of people are doing podcasts, but sort of a live daily program that can uh, people can call into and interact with the host on that that just doesn't happen. So I want to make sure that we're covering as much of American soccer as possible, as much as I can pr- certainly process. Um, but that's that's the main thing. And then um, I, you know I've been dabbling with uh, another podcast, and that's where I came from. I came from podcasts, so I've been dab- dabbling with some things for a little while. 
And uh, I, I always wanted to restart uh, the best soccer show, uh, my old podcast, which kind of led to the radio career uh, with my friend Jared Dubois. We had a, a very cool following. People uh, really loved that show. It, it it caught something at at that time. We tried to do that show live as often as possible to give people a chance to call in and interact on American soccer topics when that wasn't a thing in the landscape. Um, and, and now we're bringing it back and, and under a, a slightly new name for, for reasons I... I don't really want to get into too much. Otherwise, I'll just say that that the the old name was not available to us, um, and and we'll move on from there. Gotcha. I mean, I used to listen to the best American or the best soccer show back in the day, but I, I thought it was gone forever. Uh, what went into you and Jared restarting your podcast? I think it's just life. Um, you know, we we are on very different tracks. I mean, back back when we started the show, I was a guy who had a nine to five office job, and uh, I had a young child and. I was just trying to scrape by. I had no idea if I was going to have any sort of soccer media career. It was literally a, a labor of love. And because we were we had something working, because I started, you know, when I started my blog and, and started a podcast, somebody said, hey, Jared would be a great co-host. And we came together and the chemistry was really, really good. And people liked what we did. It, it started a snowball effect. And eventually through some other circumstances, it allowed me to have a career. While Jared has always been, you know, a, a guy who had a job outside of soccer and who had two two young uh, children and, uh, you know, was doing some other things. And he got to a point, and, and this is partly about relationships with other people, but he got to a point where he said, I just, I can't really work this into my schedule every day with the kids and everything else. And now three years later, Things have changed. He's got a little time. He's got a little bit more uh, ability to, to to provide some bandwidth for it. And and I've got enthusiasm, and I and I wanted to do it. And I think that the you know I just I miss doing the show. I mean, honestly, for me on a personal level, uh, Jared's on the other side of the country. We do it remotely. I like talking to him all the time. He's he's one of my best friends, and and it gives me an opportunity to do that to talk soccer and then to share it with people who like our show. So one, I'm excited about that as a consumer. Uh, in the past of your guys' podcast. Um, I, let's go back a ways here, because I don't know if I've ever asked you this question. How did you get into soccer in the first place? What do you mean? How did I become a soccer fan? Or did, do you mean how did I get into this job? Because those I are... mean, yeah. I mean, like, uh, what's your soccer story, man? I mean, like, yeah. for me, like, it was the 1990 World Cup and watching every game, and, like, I was in after mm -hmm. that. So, yeah. like, what was it for you? Uh, you know, I, it was a slower burn for me, although, you know, I, I obviously I played as a Well, obviously, lots of people played as kids. I played as a kid. Um, I was a military brat. My dad was in the Air Force, and I played up until I was 11. And I really liked it. And I had a, I played on, you know, a team that was pretty good. And I had a coach who at the time I thought knew what he knew what he was doing. Who knows? You know, it was American soccer in the eighties and we moved. And when we moved, my parents either signed me up for the wrong program or it just didn't click. And I didn't like the team I was on. It wasn't up to my personal soccer standard. And I, and I stopped playing. And once I stopped playing, and this is by this point, it's the very early 90s. There's nothing there. There's nothing in American soccer to keep my attention. And I was a sports-obsessed kid who liked to watch the NFL, college football, baseball, whatever it was. And so I drifted away pretty pretty quickly from soccer because there was no professional uh, version to keep my interest. And I remember the World Cup. I, I, don't, I, I was in my early teens then. I don't remember necessarily being super engaged with the World Cup in 94. I think it was 2002 before I was really like, oh, this is interesting and maybe I'm into this. And, 
getting up early, being a young adult, being able to get up super early to watch the games on the other side of the world and watching the United States make that run uh, with Landon Donovan and Demarcus Beasley and John O'Brien and, and all those guys. And then through the mid 2000s, it was kind of just a slow burn. It was, oh, I found Fox Sports World and I found the Premier League and I thought those atmospheres were amazing over there. And that drew me in and then I became interested in Major League Soccer and I'm watching that sort of casually for a couple of years and then Beckham arrives and now I'm like, wow, this is really going to be something. And then I become very intent on how do we make the United States men's national team into a world champion? And that that became my focus. And then I launch a blog and then I get a podcast and then, you know, uh, lots of yada, yada, yadas. But there we go. OK. And at what point did this become a full time work gig for you? Well, that's a, that's a matter of the circumstance that ultimately led to the end of the best soccer show, partly. Um, back in 2013, I, I was still working the, the office job. I had a little bit of income coming in from soccer. I was writing a bit. I had uh, The podcast was getting a little bit of advertising revenue. And, uh, and I got laid off from the job I had. Um, they outsourced my, my position. And I w- had no idea what I was going to do. And I came home. And I cried because I had a young son and and I didn't know how I was going to provide for my family and things were very, very tight anyway. And things weren't great in that in the relationships I had at the time. And uh, I remember the the producer we had for the best soccer show said, hey, why don't we try to do something daily? And I, I that scared the hell out of me. I had no idea how we would possibly do that. How can I do a daily soccer show and make enough money to survive? And so I said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll look for interviews to get a real job, a quote-unquote real job, and in the meantime, we, maybe we start this. And I remember that day, and I'm not sure he does, but I remember that day Brian Strauss got on the phone with me, and I, maybe I called him, maybe he called me, I don't know. And I talked to him for about an hour, and Brian said, hey, you're, you're a pretty good writer, but there are lots and lots of people out there writing stuff on soccer that, that do a good job. What you're really good at is talking, and you should do that. That should be your thing. And I said, Oh, okay, maybe I, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should focus on that. Maybe the daily show is a good idea. And so we launched soccer morning. We crowd, uh, crowdfunded it a little bit. We launched soccer morning. We strung together two or three different contracts with, uh, sort of soccer startups. Um, during that period, it was a very weird period in American soccer. Kick TV got involved for a little while. World soccer talk was involved for a little while. And then, um, ultimately the radio, the, the radio gig came out of that and the radio people said, you know, you, you, we can make you full time and, and this is going to be better for, uh, for you and, and supporting your family. And I made a decision to do that, to take the contract with the radio that ended soccer morning and it also ended the best soccer show. And then that's where we are at this point, the last couple of years being on the radio. Okay. Got it. That's a, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, like soccer media in the U.S., as you know, is it's tough. You know, there's a lot of labor of love folks out there. And the process of finding a way to get from labor of love to full time sustainable job. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's so freaking hard. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. And I sometimes people ask me, you know, how do I do it? How do I get into soccer media? And, you know, there, there's obviously the, the the X factor of talent. And, and I'm, I, I'm not somebody who runs around saying I'm the most talented guy in the world. That's why I, wear, I, I am where I am. I, but I, I would be it would be ridiculous for me to, not, to say that there's not some talent involved, that I'm not lucky to be able to do this and get on the radio and talk for three hours and make it sound good and say smart things occasionally and get people interested. I mean, that there's there's some weird alchemy happening there. But what I tell people more than anything else is don't quit. And and I know that's really hard. I mean, I came so close so many times to saying, okay, that's it. There's no money left. Let's go back to, you know, quote unquote, real life. Let's go back to sitting behind a desk for eight hours a day and, and punching numbers into a computer or whatever it was I was qualified for. But if people want to make this a thing, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't stop doing it at the first sign of, of, of trouble at the first sign of um of of disappointment because otherwise you'll never get there so many i i i sometimes i think about that grand and i know you've had this experience too having been around as long as you have there were so many great soccer writers and so many great blogs and so many people doing cool things and then you look up five years later and go oh yeah what happened to what happened to that person where did they go yeah no it's totally true um and yeah, I, I, I really admire the the way you've made this work. I'm also so excited that you and Jared are coming back. Now, if you could pick a couple of great moments in the podcast that you had with Jared before, <laughs> your favorite moments, what would yeah. they be? Wow. Um, you know, we uh, we did a lot of live sort of post-game stuff around the, the U.S. men's national team. I think we did pre-game. We, we were, you know, obviously we we're making this all work through the Internet and broadcasting it live. Um, we had people calling us. And this is more of a general thing than a specific thing. But we had people calling us from their cars, leaving stadiums after watching the U.S. men's national team play. They would yeah. pull us up on their phone because that's the only place they could get us. And then they would call us to say, oh, I can't believe Klinsman did X or whatever happened. And it, and it was it was pretty amazing. I remember, um, you know, I remember the I remember doing soccer morning. I know we did a best soccer show as well around Landon Donovan not making the, the World Cup team in 2014 and that mm-hmm. being a big thing. And, and we just had we had these. We, we had these people who kind of came and became part of the show. You know, there was a character element to it. We had a guy um, call us one time after after Michael uh, Michael Orozco made a, a, a national team roster. And I think he was still Michael Orozco Fiscal at that point. I remember this. Yeah. And so he, this guy calls up and he's like, Michael freaking Orozco Fiscal. And we clipped it and it became a drop that we would play. And it doesn't even, it's not even about Michael Orozco anymore. It's just kind of this frustration in this guy's voice like this, this, what is this? And then that actually it was funny because Michael Orozco then went on to score a goal at the Azteca. Yep. <laughs> yep the United yep. States going to draw in a friendly, I think. So <laughs> pretty amazing stuff. <laughs> Um, in terms of just your favorite radio voices over the years mm. as someone who cons- has consumed sports 
talk radio, sports radio. Who are some of your favorite radio voices? Wow, that's a that's a really good question. Um, I <laughs> this is not my style at all, and and I don't know if I could replicate it, but I remember listening to. Uh, to Pharrell, if you remember Pharrell, yeah. uh, Pharrell on the bench, late nights when I was in my teenage years, I, I was a radiophile. I mean, it makes sense that I landed where I did because I listened to so much radio. I listened to, uh, comedy talk radio, sort of shock jock stuff. I mean, whether it was Howard Stern or in DC here, we had a, a duo called Don and Mike who I listened to religiously in the afternoons as a, as a teenager. Uh, but it was Pharrell. It, um, you know, there are guys, uh, another group of guys in DC, uh, called the Sports Junkies, and they, they're a big inspiration for me. I don't necessarily track with them anymore. I don't have a chance to listen to radio. They kind of do things that aren't in my wheelhouse. But when I was in my formative years, uh, when I was, you know, when I was in my teenage years and into my 20s, these guys had a, a, a public access show in Bowie, Maryland, in Prince George's County, Maryland. And the local radio station decided to give them like a spot on the weekend. I don't know who pitched who. I don't really know how that worked out, but they had a spot on the weekend and pretty soon they turned it into a, a morning. Uh, I think maybe they in the afternoons for a while or the nights or something, but they kind of moved up the ladder and eventually they became the morning show on one of the biggest stations in DC. And they've been doing it for 20 years now. And I remember in in high school after knowing this story thinking, Hey, I, I maybe I can do that. And I, and I pitched, uh, I, I remember, I don't talk about this a lot. Maybe I was 17 and I was getting ready to go to college. So the timing wouldn't have worked anyway. Uh, but I remember sending a tape and a, and a letter to the program director, the local uh, local talk radio station. It wasn't even sports talk. It was just a talk radio station, but they had a sprinkling of sports. And I, I said, wouldn't it be great to have a 17 year old kid hosting a show? How unique would that be? And, and, and I was so shy. I probably never would have been able to pull it off, but he wrote me back and he said, actually, I didn't send the tape. He wrote me back and said, send me a tape. And then I tried to make the tape, and then I chickened out, and it never happened. So, <laughs> so, so there you go. <laughs> awesome. Um, what have you learned about the American soccer fan doing what you do? Um, look, I think. Uh, well, that's good. that's a good question. I think the American soccer fan in general is they care very much uh, about the state of soccer in the United States. That that manifests in different ways. Sometimes it's anger, and there are lots of people who are very angry about soccer in this country. And I. I think sometimes my my role is to be a calming influence to say, look, hey, it's it's a game. Yes, we want everybody to have access. We want the best coaching. We want uh, we want our administrators to do the job right. We want them to take care of the people they're supposed to take care of. Those things are all important. But but at the end of the day, I mean, we're we're talking about a game here. Um, but anger is is part of it. I also think that. Uh, American soccer fans are are generally pretty hopeful. Uh, I think that they want to believe that we're headed in the right direction, and that's why it hurts so much when we find out we're maybe not, when we miss a World Cup, or there are clear signs of uh, of a lack of of an understanding of the soccer culture in the country on on the part of say the federation. Um, I think that American soccer fans are also obviously all over the map, and and that makes it difficult. I mean, I talk a lot about how we have so many different sort of lanes for being a soccer fan in the United States. And there's, there's a whole subculture of youth soccer. I mean, sometimes that connects up the ladder to, to, to professional soccer, to uh, the Academy environment. Sometimes it doesn't, it's just moms and dads and kids playing soccer. Um, we have a whole, a whole uh, Latino, you know, sort of immigrant focused community in this country that, that doesn't, doesn't really, hit the radar of a lot of people because they're watching the premier league or they're watching major league soccer. We have people who are very 
provincial about American soccer and in their role in it and how they see it and how that's the right way. We have people that love college soccer to a fault and maybe don't uh, realize some of the flaws there or do realize the flaws and still want to push college soccer forward. And that's great, but it also means it's it's hard to pull all these threads together. And I, I think that my theory, my grand unified theory of American soccer over the years has kind of turned in the direction of we have this tapestry and that's fantastic, but we don't communicate very well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I mean, there's a real fragmentation in the soccer audiences in the U S in terms of the different soccer leagues that they follow. And that's always a challenge from a media perspective on how mm -hmm. should we address that in our coverage here at sports illustrated, or I presume in what you're covering. Yeah. And you know, like if we're being perfectly honest here, uh, Sports Illustrated, SI.com, traffic. We get more traffic for stories on the Premier League and Champions League sure. and than we do on MLS. And and so that becomes, you know, we get more traffic uh, for the U.S. national teams than we do for MLS. Um, but, like, do you think from a strategic perspective, is it better to try and and hit, one audience and focus on say American soccer than to try and do stuff where you're covering sort of mm. a bunch of different things like Premier League and U.S. soccer. Well, I think for me, my passion is American soccer, and and from the very beginning, when I started my blog in 2008, when I started the first podcast I ever did uh, into the best soccer show, into Soccer Morning, even which was more internationally focused, I my interest was always first on American soccer. I care about. The U.S. men's and women's national teams and MLS and, and things happening here and even issues of solidarity payments and training compensation more than I care about who wins, wins the Premier League. That doesn't mean that I don't want to watch the Premier League. It doesn't mean that I don't on some level take a lot of enjoyment from the Premier League or the Champions League. I watch all those things. I want to see the best soccer, too. But for me, what matters most is, is the American game. So when it's a matter of what I'm going to talk about or what I'm going to cover, I don't think about it strategically as, oh, if we talk about Manchester United today, more people are going to care. I also think, again, coming back to, to the radio show specifically, because it's a unique environment, a unique place for, for American soccer, I, I feel there's sort of an obligation. It's a balance between, okay, how much do I, do I need to cover this story or that story, which I know admittedly isn't going to have a large audience right now because I know that, that it needs that, that exposure in order to help build the audience. I mean, I think we're seeing this right now coming out of the Women's World Cup and the NWSL grant. Is, and, and you know I have to make myself, not because it's not I don't care about the NWSL, I do, or not because I, I don't want to watch it, but there's so much other stuff going on. You go, okay, let's not forget about this because it's been easy to. And I'm a product of the the same structures that have prevented women's women's sports in general from being more popular than they are. And I have to be aware. And I know, I know probably based on the demographics and the, uh, the kind of people that are listening to our, our channel, that there's not a large existing audience for NWSL coverage. But if I don't cover it and I don't say something, I don't talk about how the Portland thorns and in, in North Carolina courage played an incredible match. Maybe somebody doesn't go, oh, well, I should check that out. I should see what, you know, what these players are doing, Lindsey Horan and Crystal Dunn and everybody else. I should go watch that. I, I think there, there's a, and there's a balance because I know I also have to get people interested to keep my show going. So it's right. It's tough. Yeah. No, I'm, I thought a lot about similar things. And I, I am going to the NWSL final for Sports Illustrated this year. I haven't, to be honest, done that in a while. 
So it's uh, it's interesting to see how how all that works. Um, do you think we'll ever see soccer on shows like ESPN's First Take regularly, mm-hmm. or or you know the biggest shows on U.S. television? Uh, that discuss sports. It's just, it's striking to me that as much as soccer has grown in the U.S., it's almost like those shows are afraid to to talk soccer like they talk the NFL. Well, I mean, I, I think that's understandable on the level that a lot of those people aren't, aren't intimately familiar with the game and, and, and with soccer right. and with the culture of it. And I didn't get that. I mean, there is... There is an accessibility issue for soccer. You you have to come to it. It's not because and I and I, I discussed this too, that when we talk about things like promotion relegation or some of the other things that happen around the world that aren't happening in the United States, the the way that the game operates in other places, part of the reason for that is we don't have a cultural weight or a cultural base that kind of pushes all of that forward. So say, you know, in, in, in a in a country with pro rel, you can buy into that because everybody is at least on some level pulling in the direction of soccer. Like, like they, these people are all this, there's this, this big collection of clubs and everybody kind of has, well, soccer matters here. That's not true in the United States. I mean, soccer matters to some people. We talked about fragmentation. It doesn't, it matters. Some of it matters to some people. Some other parts of it matter to some people. Uh, soccer in general doesn't matter to anybody in a lot of places. So I, I think that it's just, and, and we also have that, that, phenomenon now of just everything being more niche and more niche and more niche so subcultures are 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 a function of the internet they're a function of the digital age they're a function of being able to find whatever information whatever content you want on whatever thing you care about so there's not as much of a reason for espn or or anybody else to, to respond to that unless it's a story that that pushes up above sort of the the main water level of soccer. I mean, it, it's when Colin Cowherd talks about Christian Pulisic, we can do the math on why that's happening, right? It's it's a matter of Fox having an interest in soccer, but also Christian Pulisic being the biggest American soccer player, the best American soccer player. We just don't have enough of those stories. And those people who know about football and baseball and basketball because they grew up with those things don't feel comfortable ranging into the world of how is uh, the, the Champions League shaping up this year. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I kind of want to wind down just by asking you, where do you think American soccer on the radio will be in five years? I hope hope that a serious XMFC still exists and I still have a (laughs) job. That's a good question. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Soccer on the radio is a weird one for me. I, I I grew up listening to baseball on the radio and football on the radio. I don't think I ever listened to soccer on the radio. Um, I know some teams in Major League Soccer have radio deals, so actual game broadcasts happen. I, I, I guess it works. I mean, I know the English love their soccer on the radio. In terms of, of talking about it, I, I would hope that, that you know, in terrestrial radio, there's some room made. I, I think that there's it's the same sort of phenomenon, obviously, for the ESPNs and the Fox Sports of the world that... These radio hosts typically aren't are all that interested in in soccer. Uh, it depends on where you are, I suppose. I can't speak to Portland or Seattle or or even Atlanta, where where it's a big deal. Um, I'm in D.C. In D.C., there's one thing that everybody talks about, and even though that team is terrible, I mean, we'll, they'll mention the Nationals, they'll mention uh, the Mystics a, a little bit, but really, it's only about one thing because American football dominates discussion so much. I. I I, I think we're still five years from now, we're still going to have, well, there are a couple of producers who like soccer, who get to chance to do an hour on, on Saturdays. I think we're probably still going to be there. 
So where can people find your new podcast? Uh, well, we're going to have the, the feed set up here shortly, so we'll be listed on Apple Podcasts and all of that in the near future. Um, right now, we, we just we have a, a Twitter account. It's JD and the Rod on Twitter. Um, we are setting up. We, we have a Patreon where we opened that up. That was part of, of getting the show back off the ground. We've had an incredible response. We're not, we haven't been actively pushing that um, because we haven't been making shows yet. And that doesn't seem right, but people have found it and we've had a really good response to that. Uh, so that's out there. And, and part of the fun thing. And re- one of the reasons to do it is because there is a community and with those people who are supporting the show, we've created a, a Slack community. So we have kind of a, uh, a little in group, uh, which is the, why the the name of the show is JD and the Rod, because we were back when when the best soccer show was running. One of our jokey in one of our in jokes was that if we were a, a morning radio talk show, we would be JD and the Rod. It would be like <laughs> that. So, uh, so that's why we went with that name, and so it does play directly to those people who who uh, listened to us back in the day. But of course, you know, we'd love to have a bunch of new listeners jump on board as well. I think it's fun. It's a mix. It's it's a little bit. Uh, it, it's a little bit morning zoo radio. It's a little bit um, sports talk, and it's a little bit soccer nerd, and it kind of throws them all together. And when does it start? We launch on October twenty third. Again, the the live call in element was always something we used to do. So we are going to go live on October twenty third at ten p.m. Eastern time. We're broadcasting it on Twitch, and then after the fact, it'll be available on on uh, on podcasts. The new podcast is JD and the Rod, America's Best Soccer Show. Jason Davis also hosts the United States of Soccer on Sirius XMFC three hours every weekday. Jason Davis, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Grant. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Jason Davis as well as producer Brandon Nix and everyone at Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Remember, check out Planet Football TV, SI's weekly soccer video series that I co-host with Luis Miguel Echegaray. We have interviews, debate, and thoughtful opinions on the game we love. That's Planet Football TV. See you next time.